0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: I'm with you for another two hours here tonight, mostly NFL draft talk, and to give us some good in-depth analysis on it, a guy who's only been doing it for decades... Mostly at Pro Football Weekly, where he's the editor-in-chief, him on uh, Westwood One's uh, primetime broadcast, doing sideline work for them, insider on the NFL for our sister station, The Score, out in Chicago. Hub Arkish joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. How was your last couple of days, Mr. Arkish?
0: Well they were long Jody I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's 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 kind of like a a special annual holiday for those of us uh, who do what I do for a living. I know I've always uh looked forward to it tremendously of course we've got quite a history at Pro Football Weekly as really being uh innovators and independent draft analysts and 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 following this as closely as we do. Uh so I you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it and and I think uh What may be most important, because I'm sure millions of fans will agree with me, it's probably the first thing that I've thoroughly enjoyed in the last four or five, six weeks. And so um, you know, a lot of speculation, a lot of debate, a lot of controversy. Should the NFL have gone ahead? Should they have done it the way they did? Um, you know there's plenty of time to critique and review. But I do now believe that the decision to go ahead on schedule and hold it the last three days was a really, really good one because I think it supplied a a lot of positive entertainment and a great relief for a lot of folks.
1: I I was originally going to disagree with your point, and the more I thought about it over your— 15 second answer I said well no he's right um, NFL free agency has been the only other thing that has been ongoing the NFL is the only one who's giving us little kernels and nuggets of sports and we thank them for that I'm with you that they went on with free agency that had the draft when they had it scheduled for uh, yes thank you Roger Goodell and all 32 team owners but the reason that you're right and what you say is it was scheduled Free agency, you don't know when the announcements are coming down. You're the first couple of days, there's always a quick reaction, and you know it's coming, and you get most of it. But then after that, it's all trips and drabs. You know you're getting 250 plus players' names who are going to be called out. So I am in 100% agree with you, agreement with you. It kind of, uh, a very heavy appetite that sports fans were lugging around with them was quenched this weekend with the uh, four, three days. Of the NFL draft. All right, want to start right at the top. Burrow goes number one. I had a caller in my first hour that said, Jody, I'd never heard before where the number one pick had the team's draft, uh, had their uh, playbook upwards of three weeks in advance. And I said, well, no, they, when they finished last, they were officially on the clock. They could have decided who they were taking then. They didn't make it official till Thursday night, but There's no rule against a team being in constant contact with a guy if they've already decided he's going to be their pick, correct?
0: Yeah, there's been multiple years where the contract has been done. You know, if the team is committed, that's up to them. There's no rule against it. And a lot of teams uh, sitting with that pick, uh, you know, want to – really kind of survey the landscape, maybe see if they can get some trade offers, see if they can do better. Maybe there's multiple possible choices there, and uh, they need to take their time and really work it out. Uh, now, I will say in, in this particular draft, I only had Joe Burrow as the ninth best prospect overall, uh, you know, certainly a top quarterback, uh, but just a lot, you know, players with higher ceilings, I believe the Chase Young's the Isaiah Simmons, uh, the Jeffrey Akutas of the world, uh, you know, to me are safer um but you know the premium on quarterback i don't know that the bengals had any choice but to take joe burrow they obviously agreed once they'd made that decision if the decision was made three weeks ago uh, i have no issue with it and i have no issue you know i know this sounds kind of confusing maybe but here i'm saying i only got him as the ninth best prospect but he's a quarterback (laughs) so that's why uh i have no problem with the pick and i have no problem with them making their decision well in advance since
1: you acknowledge, and I agree wholeheartedly with you, that quarterbacks make the football world go around, let's stay there. Tua below goes fifth to the Dolphins. Did the Lions and the Giants, if Chase Young was a lock for the Redskins at sec- and at the second pick, and I think we all agree with that, did the Lions and Giants miss out on oppor- an opportunity to drop down a couple of slots uh, with both Detroit and Miami at five, six, looking to go quarterback? Do you know how many conversations were had? Was it ever close? Was the asking price too high? What did your sources tell you?
0: there wasn't a lot of conversation, uh, Jody, after talking to sources leading up to it, even after. As a matter of fact, uh, there was probably more interest in Washington's pick because there were a number of teams that wanted Chase Young. Uh, I know of a few teams that that probably preferred uh, Isaiah Simmons over Jeffrey Okuda, and they might have made some calls to Detroit, but the reason there wasn't a lot of conversation is because this was a rare draft and there wasn't a lot of quarterback desperate teams. The only teams that pretty much had to come out of this draft with their quarterbacks of the future were Cincinnati and Miami and the Chargers. That's why they did what they did. You know, I mean, Pittsburgh certainly wants to get the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger, but they didn't even have a first round pick in this draft. Uh, you, you look at Indianapolis, and they're not, they don't know what's happening in a year or two after Philip Rivers. Same thing with Tampa after Tom Brady. But they know they've got those guys now, and they want to win now. So they needed to keep those picks and put people around them. So um, it, it was not a seller's market. Uh, you know, it was absolutely a buyer's market, and, and that's why the Giants and the Lions ended up where they did.
1: If, uh, as you stated, teams have quarterbacks, they're in win-now mode, they're not going to worry about their franchise quarterback, even if they are a little elder like Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. Well, Green Bay turns its nose up at that. They move up a couple slots to get Jordan Love with Aaron Rodgers still pretty damn close to the top of his game and still one of the best, if not the best, quarterback in the league. Uh, Were you surprised by what Green Bay did? What do you think it does implicate the uh, Packers' uh, not only short-term futures, but long-term future.
0: Yeah, Jody, I was absolutely stunned. Uh, and now this requires a little bit of explanation. As you mentioned, I am based in Chicago. And as a matter of fact, I was a color commentator on the Bears radio network doing their games for 20 years before I went to Westwood 1 to do the national games. So I'm almost required uh, to say bad things about the Packers and good things about the Bears, you know, uh, and, and unfortunately, I got over that a long time ago. I have tremendous respect for the Green Bay Packer organization. It's been one of the best organizations in football over the last two decades, three decades really. You can't argue with the record, but in this particular case, Jordan Love. I had him as the 25th best prospect, again, because he's a quarterback. I did have him, uh, you know, four behind Herbert uh, and, and Tegelboa and, and, of course, Burrow. Um but, but he was 25th on our board. They came up to 26 and got him. So under normal circumstances, you'd say, fine. But here's the problem. This is a team that was one game away from the Super Bowl last year with tremendous weaknesses at wide receiver, tight end, the interior of the offensive line, and one of the worst run defenses in the league. Aaron Rodgers is going to be at his peak in his prime for at least another two, maybe three years. You needed to get him some help. Then you know that you've got in Aaron Rodgers, arguably the biggest diva or certainly one of the biggest divas in the league, that he is not necessarily a great guy in the locker room and particularly in in the position room. And, And so this is what you do. And then they compounded it on night, two by coming back and getting A.J. Dillon, who, who I love. By the way, I think he's going to be an outstanding NFL running back, but he's strictly an inside runner, and running back is probably the deepest position on the Packers' depth charts because they got Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. So um, I am not saying uh, you know, that Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon won't be great NFL players. They may be, but they won't be for this incarnation of the Packers that is one game short of the Super Bowl. So, um, never saw it coming, can't find anything positive to say about it. You know, quite possibly, uh, you know, the, 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 nobody knew what they were doing when they traded for Brett Favre, and nobody knew what they were doing when they drafted Rodgers with Favre still at his peak. So, I, I'm, I'm, you know, Gutekust has certainly a uh, you know, prior history to, to suggest that he did the right thing. But, again, it, it, a lot of it is the personalities and the character and not having to deal with Aaron Rodgers. I just think it was a tremendous mistake.
1: The other quarterback decision that was made in the first two rounds that has gotten a lot of attention, more in my neck of the woods. Chicago Green Bay yours, Philly is mine. Uh, the Eagles in the second round take Jalen Hurts. Got the receiver that they wanted, or at least they believed Jalen Rager is going to be good enough to step in and be a big-time contributor for him in year one. Some people thought they could go wide out, wide out in the first two rounds, like Green Bay could have. They chose not to. The Eagles at least got one wide out. But then draft a quarterback in the second round, fourth quarter, uh, fifth quarterback taken off the board relatively early when the Eagles have needs of their own. Yes, backup quarterback is an important position in the National Football League. But with what, with what Wentz has gone through in his still relatively short NFL career, uh, the debate in Philadelphia whether they, they should have stayed with Nick Foles, kept Nick Foles, overpaid Nick Foles, his injury history... Are the Eagles opening up a potential can of worms in Pandora's box with this decision, much like you just stated the Packers may have?
0: Well, I don't think so, Jody. I love this pick. And the reason I don't think so is that they're not pretending that he's going to compete with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is the franchise. He's the guy of the future. He has had trouble at times staying on the football field. But what you get in Jalen Hurts is a guy who is great as he was at both Alabama and Oklahoma, uh, a player who, if he's going to be a quarterback in the, in the NFL, you know it's going to take two, three years to make him an NFL passer anyway. But right now he is an athlete. He, he's an outstanding uh, weapon. He, he is Taysom Hill on steroids, as far as I'm concerned, uh, and probably will be a better quarterback in the NFL someday than Taysom Hill will ever be. And I don't know if you've seen it, but there's reports out there that the Saints are getting ready to give Hill 21 million bucks to lock him up for a few more years. Uh, I, I, I love Jalen Hurts. Uh, is exactly where I had him. Now there, there's also circumstances. This is when people, you know, fans just want what they want. But you got to understand how the draft works. The Eagles, I think, maybe greatest need coming in was after wide receiver was probably at cornerback. You had incredible cornerbacks sitting on the board. Jalon Johnson, who went to the Bears at, at 50, I had the 24th best player in the draft. Trayvon Diggs from Alabama, I had the 27th best player in the draft. They come off the board at 50 and 51. So now the Eagles are sitting there at 53, and I guarantee you – I can't guarantee you, but I'd bet anything that if Johnson or Diggs had still been there, they'd have taken one of them instead of Hertz. And that's probably what Howie Roseman was hoping for. But once they went bang-bang to the Bears and the Cowboys, I think Hertz was was the best player available. I have no problem with this pick whatsoever.
1: All right. Well, then the only thing you can have a problem with is if you believe the Eagles know exactly how they want to go forward, and they're hewing – Any strife that may come from the fans, the media, or some guys in their own locker room, because it was there when Nick Foles was doing what he was doing, if you believe all that is okay and will work itself out, middle second round pick for a backup QB, are you getting near enough value there for a second
0: round pick? (laughs) You know, the only thing, Jody, that I didn't love about it was Doug. I do love Doug Peterson, but his comment about, well, who knows, maybe your quarterback gets coronavirus was probably not well-timed or wise. Right. You know, and I, I know he didn't mean anything by it. Um, his point was, you just never know. I mean, you know, Carson Wentz had them on track uh, to compete for a Super Bowl. He goes down. Nobody knew that Nick Foles was going to do what he what he did to win that Super Bowl for them. But let's not forget that they had drafted Carson Wentz to be the franchise, and Nick Foles got eighty-eight million dollars from the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's not like they didn't want to keep him; they couldn't keep him. There's no way they could have paid both of them like starters. So, so you just got to forget Nick Foles. He's moved on now, you know, and. and um, uh again, I think Hertz is going to be a big contributor to this offense with Wentz on the field. So, to me, you, you know, and, and we know Eagles fans can be uh, um, uh, volcanic. We know that they can be mm-hmm. volatile. Uh, but but sometimes you just got to take a breath and, and look at the circumstances. And, you know, are, are there other things they could have done that would have made them a better football team too? Yeah, absolutely. But I think this kid is a rare football player, and, and I have no problem with doing it, and, and I think once fans see it, once they see the way uh, that Doug Peterson, the different ways he's going to figure out how to use them, uh, they're going to get a lot more comfortable with it. As far as the fact that it was a second-round pick, all I can tell you is he would not have been there with their third-round pick.
1: Fair enough. Uh, Hub Barkish from Pro Football Weekly, Westwood One, the score in Chicago, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. One last quarterback question. I'm an Eason guy. Uh, I was a little disappointed that he dropped all the way to the fourth round. I thought he had a chance to go late to most likely three, falls all the way into the fourth. I think falls to a pretty good spot, Indianapolis, where he'll certainly have a year, two max, to grow behind uh, Phillip Rivers. Uh, I think the Colts got themselves a steal of a player and are potentially good for the next decade there in Indianapolis. Are you anywhere near as big an Easton fan as I am?
0: Well, I think it's a great fit, and I think Chris Ballard is one of the sharper GMs in the league right now. Him and Howie Roseman I put in a similar category. Uh, I love what he's done both in free agency and what he did with his draft. Uh, we saw where the Colts were prior to last year, and a lot of what happened there was just was just the injuries, you know, and, and so you can't uh, say that they're, they're a bad football team. I think they're closer to the team that won a playoff game in 18. So – Uh, You know, in in that regard, uh, um, I'm fine with it. Uh, I think that the problem with Easton is it's really all about coaching. Uh, You know, the the issue is going to be, you know, can he get the mental part of the game? Because that's what physically you're right. Physically, he's he's an exciting, outstanding prospect, but uh, mentally, just not all there. You know, I mean, uh, you got him and Jake from the difference between him and Jake from is that from the mental part, uh, he's probably the best prospect in this draft, but physically he's just a guy, you know. And Jake Fromm, who I thought Buffalo stole in the fifth round because he's going to be the best number two quarterback in the league for a decade or so, uh, was a really good pick. But that's what they were picking him for, you know, was to be number two. Uh, and then you, you look at what the Colts did. Marlon Mack is one of the most underrated running backs in the NFL. You saw them with that incredible offensive line, go into Kansas City last year and win that football game, running the ball on 14 of the last 15 plays. Now they add Jonathan Taylor, to Mullen back in that backfield, um, and, and you've got Rivers for a year or two. There's no pressure on Easton whatsoever. So, yeah, I like the pick a lot, but I'm not predicting greatness because he's still got the same warts on him. He's a guy who, who in his college career, he, he showed the, the, the big arm, the great size and stature in the pocket, the ability to make special throws. But, unfortunately, he made more mistakes than most, you know, and that's what dropped him down as far as he did.
1: Fair enough. Um, I'm sure you already uh, put it up on Pro Football Weekly. Uh, I know it's overly simplistic, and it really – what we think today is – so far in advance that four or five years ago, uh, down the road, we can look back and go, what the hell were we thinking? Uh, <laughs> trying to designate winners and losers within hours at most days after the draft. It's a little bit of a fool's errand, but we're all asked to do it. So I'm going to ask you to do it. Was there any two or three, one or two, however many you want to give me teams that you just said, wow, they got value, they filled positional needs, they got guys uh, further down than they should have and just had a great draft, was there one or two teams that you just said, really, they planned all this time and this is all they could come up with? Who would you have as your top winners and losers?
0: Well, the big winner for me is Miami. And that's somewhat predictable because, you know, they they – were accused of tanking. I guess he, they wouldn't even deny it. They go in with 13 or 14 picks, but it's not having the picks. It's what you do with them. Uh, if not for the hip injury, I would have liked Tua over Burrow. And I know he's only six feet tall, but that's just not the negative in the NFL these days that it used to be. So I love getting Tua at five. Austin Jackson's one of my favorite offensive tackles in this draft. Uh, you know, Noah Igbonje, who whose name I probably just butchered, was a corner that I loved. You get Rob, they get. Austin Jackson, then they get Robert Hunt out of Louisiana, then they come back to get Solomon Kindley out of Georgia. You know, they took Tua, and then they built the line in front of him that could be together for the next seven, eight years. Uh, Raquan Davis, the defensive tackle out of Alabama, was an underachiever there, but but he's an outstanding prospect. And so, and then Curtis Weaver, the pass rusher from Boise State, all the way down in the fifth round, uh, I really loved what Miami did. Now, it, it pains me because I'm not a Jerry Jones fan, and I think that you know, they get too much credit for some things that fall to them. And that's what happened in the first round. C.D. Lamb never should have been there at 17. Uh, but then coming back with Trayvon Diggs, as I just said, the Bears uh, with J- Jalen Johnson and Trayvon Diggs to the Cowboys at 50 and 51 probably have the two steals of the draft. These two kids are going to be Pro Bowl cornerbacks. Uh, Neville Gallimore out of Oklahoma is a player that I really like. And, and you know, unfortunately, Travis Frederick's career is going to be shorter than we'd like because of his off-the-field struggles, uh, Tyler Biedes, uh, another, you know, Wisconsin center pops up. And so love the job that they did. Uh, I don't get, I don't usually predict losers, Jody, because as you said, we just don't know, you know, and their draft boards look different than ours. And I don't know that it's fair. This isn't always the easiest thing to do, um, but, but the Packers, who normally are always on my winner list, I just can't understand how they decided that even though the Super Bowl window was still open, I think they may have shut it themselves by not addressing their huge needs on run defense and and for receivers on offense. And they did get John Runyon late, who's a left tackle from Michigan, who'll probably play guard and could be a good one. His dad was a real good one in Philly. Um, But for the most part, I, I just don't understand what Brian Gutekunst was thinking.
1: I agree with you on the Packers on the downside. All right, uh, last question, Um, and this one's as tough as the winners and losers one, but because you guys do as great a good job as you do at Pro Football Weekly. 255, I think, Mr. Irrelevant was 255, and then the mad scramble began, and we've had, I believe it's in advance of 255 guys who have already signed, undrafted free agent. Was there a guy that you were waiting for in round number seven and his name never got called? You said, damn, somebody's going to be able to get their hands on a football player and not even have to expend a draft pick on him. Who is the best guy left out there that you uh, had on your list?
0: Well, you know, once you get past the top 100, 125, 150, draft boards start to look a whole lot different, you know, and so there's going to be – be football players uh, it's it's a great question Jody. I got I hadn't focused all that much on it i I really uh, think Lavert Hill, the cornerback from Michigan who going into this season some people thought could have been a first or second round pick. Uh, he did not get taken. I believe he has signed with Kansas City. Uh, I'm not positive of that but but I think that he ended up there. Um, I'd have to go back through my notes and find a few other guys only because I just, um, as I said, once we get to the fifth, sixth round, uh, I just assume everybody knows better than I do what they're doing. So you know. uh,
1: I'll give you the one guy who I was waiting for his name to get called in day number three and it never got called and three other kickers did. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship from Georgia who I thought was the best kicker in college football this year because we'll go years where no kickers are drafted more often than not, as a matter of fact and three guys actually did get uh, picked including a punter by the Jets so four kickers got picked And Blankenship didn't sign with the Colts, who, as you said, Ballard had a pretty damn good draft to begin with. And I think he got the best undrafted free agent on top of it. Uh, Well, listen,
0: uh, I'll tell you what's interesting about that is that, again, Chris Ballard uh, grew up in the Bears scouting department. Uh, He was a finalist for the Bears GM job when uh, Phil Emery got it back in twelve. And, and I know the McCaskey family probably thinks that's one of the worst mistakes they've ever made, although they're happy with Ryan Pace now. But the other interesting part about that is Blankenship's, uh, you know, the, the kickers, the, the specialists, they all have their own private coaches. Uh, Blankenship's private coach is Kevin Butler, and Butthead was the kicker on the Bears' 85 Super Bowl team. So he was a big story around Chicago the last couple of months. Uh, but they're apparently pretty happy with Eddie Pinheiro, who won that 11-kicker that tryout circus they had last year uh, after, as Eagles fans know, the famous double doink from Cody Parkey. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of talk about Blankenship around here. Um, figured it wouldn't happen, but uh, I am surprised, like you, that, that other kickers would be going ahead of him.
1: And I just double checked. Lavert Hill, uh, Michigan, did sign with the Kansas City Chiefs. So, and the Chiefs needed because they didn't have a big draft. A, they were picking last in every round, and they were down a pick or two out of the seven. So, they needed a couple of unsigned, undrafted free agents, and Hill is one that signed. In KC, uh, Mr. Arkish, you always bring knowledge. We appreciate you sharing with us tonight uh, when we get another round of NFL activity. Not sure when that's going to be, but it will come around at some time, and you know I will come a-calling. Thanks for hopping on tonight.
0: Thanks for having me, Jody. Be well.
1: My pleasure. That's Hub Arkish, uh, editor-in-chief of Pro Football Weekly, Westwood One, uh, score in Chicago. Uh, he is a busy man because he is all-knowing when it comes to the National Football League.